I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, as he is on every Wednesday, it's my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Good so, morning. Dennis Schroeder, back in the bubble. Back in the bub. It doesn't seem like he will play in any of the upcoming seeding games. So against Miami and then against the Clippers. I'm not sure the Thunder would even allow him to play if, <laughs> if he was eligible. But um, he will be back for the start of the first round, which uh, which is a cool thing. It's really awesome. <laughs> we, we I feel like we <laughs> dodged a bullet on that one. Because I know like Celtics fans are probably freaking out still about Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you know, no kidding. When is he going to be leaving? And uh, so shout out to Dennis and his wife for getting this done in such a timely fashion. We, <laughs> we, we do appreciate it. And it, and it's awesome that he got to leave and got to share that moment with his wife and mm-hmm. now gets to come back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's it couldn't have been better timing because it doesn't it seems like the Thunder just want to be healthy for the start of the playoffs and that these seeding games don't don't matter too much and that is i mean they're gonna be five or six yeah and that's that's what's gonna happen it is uh, you know we're gonna know a lot more today because you know i think the thing we all want to avoid is the clippers and there is still a scenario where we would play the clippers it is an is an outside scenario but it could still happen as long as the clippers win today over denver that's done they will lock in the two. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But if the Clippers lost out, which, by mm-hmm. the way, they're playing Denver, who would very much potentially want to beat them, and sure. us, who it's potential yep. that we need that game, and then the Denver Nuggets won out, the Denver Nuggets would be the two seed. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not. So... I mean, look at Denver's schedule. Denver, so Denver plays the Clippers, mm-hmm. and then they play Toronto, which Toronto is a tough game. Who knows if Toronto yeah. will be sitting people or not. But. So tonight's it's a big one. It is. It's very important for the Thunder's seeding. Huh. And the Thunder, what if the Thunder win one of these games? Which doesn't seem right right now. So if the Thunder just win one game, they have locked in the fifth seed. Because even if the Jazz, the Jazz only have one game left, and it's against the Spurs, who of course would want to win as well because they're in the race for the eighth seed. But yep. even if the Jazz won that final game against the Spurs, as long as the Thunder win one of these last two games, they would have the same record. The Thunder have the tiebreaker. The Thunder would mm-hmm. be in the fifth spot. Mm-hmm. So the only way the yeah. Thunder can drop is if they lose both of these games and the Jazz beat the Spurs, which the Jazz have looked terrible. I mean, if if they lose to the Spurs, they're going to be two and six in the bubble. They haven't been good. The Spurs, yeah. on the other hand, have looked good. They destroyed the Rockets. Yeah. Um, so I I would not be surprised if the way 
OKC ends up in this in the fifth seed is because the Spurs beat the Jazz, and has less yeah. to do with the Thunder winning a game. I mean, the Thunder. It'd be nice if they won one of these two games, but they are kind of tough games. Oh yeah, I mean the Heat are are very tough. It's a tough matchup for the Thunder in general. Uh, but then yeah, the Clippers. Like, I just don't know what what they're going to want to do. And, and the, the Thunder's and pick again, if is the still Clippers play, lose tonight, they'll probably yeah. sit people because they'll yeah, have I mean, I, too. It'll be done. It's it's still kind of a mess. Um, it is. And the Rockets could still jump up ahead of the Nuggets. Yeah. So if if Denver loses the Clippers, which is very possible, and then they lose to the Raptors, very possible, and then the Rockets win out, now all of a sudden the Rockets are going to be in the two seed. Or sorry, the three seed. Um, and their, yeah. their last two games are Indiana and, and the Sixers. So that's, not, that's also not out of the realm of possibility. I've already – my brain already is on OKC Houston. Yeah. So yes, there are all these machinations that could occur, but in my brain we are already playing the Houston Rockets. <laughs> so I'm not really going to accept a different outcome until I'm forced to. So for right now, I'm, I I would say the most likely scenario is four five, Houston OKC. Yeah, that feels it does feel like the most likely scenario here, which. It's just it's it brings about a, a lot of feelings, Alex. Sure, but I I will tell you, Andrew, I have done a complete one eighty since last week's pod. Last week's pod, I came on here and said that the the, the Rockets were the least team or, or the team I least wanted the Thunder to see out of yeah the, the Nuggets, the Jazz, Rockets. Mm-hmm. But now I've thrown all that out. Now I'm ready for the Rockets. Now I want the Rockets. You now want I'm excited about playing the Rockets. And I've been doing a ton. I've been doing such a deep dive. And I will say, just from the start, it's such a great matchup because for someone like myself who is not a big X's and O's guys, you know, I couldn't necessarily tell you what the Nuggets like common plays are or like how to attack the Nuggets. Sure. But the Rockets, what they're doing is so simple. Even an idiot like me can get it. <laughs> and they're, the way they play has been broken down so thoroughly by like most of the major NBA media that it's a very easy like X's and O's series to jump into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for that reason alone, it's just very – it's much more fun to talk about. You know, if we're talking about the Nuggets, like a Nuggets-Thunder series, I'm just not as excited. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. It's still the playoffs. But breaking down this Rockets Thunder series, especially because they haven't played yet, yeah. So we're just kind of guessing. I think that's I really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. I mean, let's get into this this potential matchup. Let's wade into the waters of uh, Chris Paul versus Russell Westbrook and James yes, Harden yes, versus yes. the Thunder once again. I mean, it's 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 the juiciest matchup you you could imagine, right? Like, there's not a juicier matchup. In the NBA, is there? In the history of the NBA, <laughs> there is not a juicier matchup. I mean, like Philly Boston is is has a little juice to it. It's not the same. Pass Ben Simmons um, hurt and beat hurt. Who cares? That's true. That's true. Uh, Mavs I mean, there, Clippers. There's matchups, there's matchups later. You know, obviously, like Lakers yeah. Clippers is exciting. Yes, 
first round matchups. There's not. I mean, Portland Lakers is uh, pretty cool. It's cool. There's a little juice to it, but not as much juice as Houston OKC. I mean, just not even close. And so the first thing I did was I went to Rockets subreddit, and then I also listened to the Red Ninety Four podcast, which is a Rockets podcast uh, hosted by a guy named Rahat, and he had Ben Debose on. We know we know Ben Debose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did this, you know, I was deep undercover. You know, I wanted yeah. to go behind enemy lines, see what they were saying about potential matchups. Because obviously we've been talking about, you know, who who would fit best with the Thunder. And similarly, they would obviously love to play the Jazz, as would everyone. Sure. But uh, they would much prefer to play the Thunder compared to the Nuggets. Huh. And part of that has to do with, they are a little worried about Jokic, how how the team would mac, match up with Jokic. Sure. Um, but I will tell you, uh, Ben DeBose did bring up the question, and, and Andrew, I, I have five big questions for you about okay. OKC Rocket, a potential OKC Rocket series. One of his uh, arguments for playing the Thunder is he thinks that there's a potential that Steven Adams could be played off the court. And... I think this is something we've talked about as Thunder fans. It's one of those things that we just don't know what's going to happen. Because on the one hand, Steven Adams is seventh in offensive rebounds per game in all of the NBA. And mm-hmm. if you're playing a small team like Houston Rockets, you're going to want a lot of second chances. You're going to get a lot of second chances if you have someone who can get those rebounds. So it would seem like from that perspective, Steven Adams would be crucially important. But then the question is, can he hold up defensively? You know, we saw. I, I I remember Steven Adams back in that 2016 playoffs against the Warriors, where it was like, oh, this is like the perfect center in the world. And I don't know if he is that exact player now. Um, so I yeah. I have I have optimism that he could stay on the court. But how are you feeling about that question? I think before he hurt his leg, his knee, his ankle, or whatever they are calling it. I had more optimism. Now that I haven't really seen him since then, I'm feeling less optimistic about that. Uh, just because, I mean, you have to cover P.J. Tucker in the corner. Um, and I don't, I think the best way to guard Houston with Steven is to put Steven on Russell. And I don't know that that's something that Billy would start off with. I think that, he would play more traditional and then go to that later on. And so that's one reason why I think it's possible that he gets played off the floor. But the Rockets have just been getting just completely killed on the boards uh, for good reason. They have the smallest team in the NBA. And to me, if you can take advantage of that, that's I, th- I think that that's your ticket to – to winning and guarding the three-point line the as best you can. Because, I mean, P.J. Tucker's 38.8% from three and from the corners. Yeah, and not only that, I was looking up the totals for corner threes. Yeah. So, just giving you their top five. Westbrook's taken 45, Rivers taken 61, Ben McElmore, 138, Daniel House, 151, P.J. Tucker, 230. Yeah. Like he lives in the corner. Yeah. 77% of his, or yeah, 77% of his shots come from the corner. 
and obviously he's very good. I mean, his, <laughs> from the from the left corner three, he is shooting forty one point three percent, and then right corner, he's thirty six point four. That's pretty good. It is. And Daniel House has been has been good for them. We still don't really know um, about Eric Gordon and how yes. he'll look. So actually, on that topic, uh, on the Red ninety four podcast, one of the things mm-hmm. the host Rahat was bringing up was that he is worried because Daniel House has looked really good in the bubble. Oh yeah, and he is worried that when Eric Gordon comes back, who did not have a good season, especially shooting wise, he is going to take some of those shots from Daniel House. And by doing so, the Rockets are going to become a worse shooting team overall because Eric Gordon just hasn't been the like good shooting Eric Gordon that we remember from past years, um, which is, I, think, I think is interesting. Um, yeah. but, but a really important point that he brought up that kind of goes along with Steven Adams is the, this idea that the biggest weakness for this version of the Rockets is a dominant big man. And this is you hear this everywhere that like man just wait until they face someone like Jokic or wait till they face someone like Anthony Davis is going to tear them up, even yeah. though they like beat the Lakers with Anthony Davis shortly after they made that trade. He was and he said you know that's not that's actually like a red herring because what happens or what you need to do to this team is tire them out, wear them out because they aren't mm-hmm. very deep and the style that they play is super exhausting. So when you're just posting up a big man. Like, yeah, they might do really well, but Brooke Lopez had a great game. Yusuf Nurkic had a great game. But if you're just posting them up, that means that you're, you're really just tiring out one Rockets player, which mm-hmm. is usually P.J. Tucker. And you're giving the other Rockets players a great opportunity to rest on those plays. So he was arguing that the biggest weakness is actually teams with small, quick, penetrating guards. And who does that sound like, Andrew? I mean, that's that's just what the Thunder are made of. That is just what the Thunder are made of. In fact, I looked up the top 50 in drives per game, okay? Yep. Top 50 NBA players drives per game. There are only there are actually three teams who have three players in the top 50, although Toronto is one of those, and two of them are Siakam and uh, Lowry, who are ranked 48th and 50th. Yeah. So they're not they're not they don't really count. So one of the teams is Oklahoma City. So uh Shea is 10th in drives per game, Chris Paul is 26th in drives per game, and Dennis Schroeder is 35th in drives per game. So they have three mm-hmm. guys in the top 35 for drives per game. Can you think or can you even guess at the other team who has three players in the top 50 and actually it's the top 18? for drives per game is it miami it is the brooklyn nets (laughs) because it's Kyrie, karis levert and spencer Uh dinwiddie who spencer dinwiddie is ranked ninth in the entire league per game but i thought that was really interesting point because he brought it up but then he didn't really uh connect it to oklahoma city Mm -hmm. because i do think one of the ways you attack this rockets team is you make them work on defense yeah, they're having to switch everything. If you have guards who are just relentlessly driving and kicking, driving and kicking, or driving addition, whatever it is, I think you can really tire them out over a short series. I don't think the answer is throwing it into Stephen Adams 
and just kind of like, oh, just let the, let him eat, let him eat, let him go to work. Because when you're doing that, you're just letting like <laughs> James Harden he could he could sit down and just relax, wouldn't have to yeah. do anything for a play. It's true. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's. I mean, that's never really been the approach of the Thunder. I mean, they don't even use Steven in the post hardly ever. He's he's at the he's at the top of the key. They you know? don't, but sometimes there's those games where like especially in the first quarter where they're just feeding the pig man. Sure. And I wonder if Which, they'll be tempted to do that in a, in a series against Houston just because of the obvious height mismatch. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think that there will be times where they will do that certainly and it could be effective, but I, I don't think that that's, I mean, that's not a, a long-term strategy for, for the Thunder during a game. And they've never con- <laughs> In the history of Stephen Adams, even if he's having a great game, they never stay with him. <laughs> That's true. You know, so we don't have any. We don't have that to fear. <laughs> they they treat him like slightly nicer than Perk. Perk they would give one play to. Perk you right. give one play to the beginning of the game. That's all you're getting. Mm-hmm. Stephen, they'll give him like five plays at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that was my first question about Stephen Adams. Second question: bench shooting. But then it became the rotation because as I've been watching these bubble games, I've started to get worried. There's a little voice in the back of my brain that's saying, man, there's a lot of guys on this team where if you are playing a smart team in the playoffs, they will leave these guys wide open from three and just not guard them. Sure. We've seen that in the past with Andre Robertson. Teams have done that to him. But then you throw in guys like Hamadou Diallo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Baisley falls into this, even though he's shot it really well recently. I yeah. think Dort falls into this. Um, if more than one of those guys is on the court, I start getting really worried that teams are just, it's going to be really hard for OKC to generate offense and that a lot of the burden for the offense is going to fall on these guys who just aren't great shooters. But then I was thinking, well, hold on a second. Why would all these guys play? Because I, for- I completely forgot that in the playoffs, you know, your rotation tightens up. In fact, I went back and looked at the last two playoffs with Billy Donovan to see like what he usually runs for a bench rotation. And he has been pretty consistent outside of a few games. Like, like the, the last game against Portland last year, I think there was like one bench player who played more than seven minutes. Mm-hmm. He was just running those guys on the ground hoping that we could pull out something. But what he usually does is he has a nine-man rotation three of those bench players are playing somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes per game. And so a lot of these guys aren't going to play. So I'm starting to, so, so what I want to know is what is the best bench rotation? If we assume the starting five plus Schroeder, that's six. So who are going to be the three guys in a Houston series? Because normally I think you would say, Oh, well, Noel, obviously Nerlens would be number one, but is that still the case? in a series with Houston. If not, who are the three guys who you would pick? Yeah, I think Baisley is going to be one of them. Yes, so I think Baisley is very critical in a series against Houston because of his size, because of his ability defensively, which I've actually been kind of impressed. I mean, obviously his scoring has been awesome in the uh, bubble, but there were a few moments in that Phoenix game where he got switched on to Devin Booker and actually did okay, like kept him in front of him. There was one time when he did not, and Devin Booker got a layup. But he actually looked pretty good defensively, and I think having someone like that who is not a center but is tall and can match up with whatever guard he's going to be switched on to with Houston, 
I think is really important. So if you like Baisley, who would be your other two bench players? Well, I was going to say more about, about Baisley in that he can grab and go and does often. And you're talking about wearing a team out. If four out of the five guys on the court can grab and go and put pressure on the defense, I mean, that's going to wear them out. And yeah. so to me, he's critical in that. And also his, I mean, he he's not a great shooter, but he can have games where he goes four or five from three. And we've seen that in the bubble. I mean, he's had 20 points, 20 plus points in two straight games, which is something I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have seen that coming from from him. So he's he's looked really good. He's looked really confident. And so to have somebody off the bench, not not saying that in the playoffs he's going to be able to put up those kind of numbers because the circumstances really led to him getting shots. But if he can put in 10 points off the bench, that would be huge. And he's got that ability. And there's really, outside of Nader, there's really not a lot of other guys off the bench that can do that. And so to me, it's it's he and Schroeder and then two more. This is where it gets difficult. I think Andre's got to play, especially against Houston. I do too. I think this is one of those matchups where you look at all these guys on the bench and the one that stands out for how they would fit specifically with the Rockets is Dre. Yeah. Yeah, you need to have as many guys that you can throw at Westbrook and Harden as possible. And so, like, you've got Dort. I think Shea's going to see some time on both those guys. Uh, I think Chris Paul and Schroeder is going to see time on those guys. And then just to have one more guy. And I'm very, very fearful that it's going to be Hami. <laughs> very fearful. That's it gets he gets chosen over over Andre, but I would prefer Andre. Yeah, I would prefer Andre too. Especially Andre would match up so well with Tucker. Like if if he got put on him as well, like basically anyone on that team seems like a good matchup for Dre. Whereas yeah. I get worried about Hami. I mean, I know Harden and Westbrook are different than Booker, but there were a few moments with Booker where Booker was just like flying past him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hami's not a great defender. He's super athletic, and he can certainly do stuff. And he's shot the ball pretty well, uh, a lot better than I thought he would uh, during these these seeding games. But I don't trust it. I don't trust him, especially in a playoff game. He's just too erratic. Like he's too wild. Uh, I'd almost, I'd almost prefer Terrence Ferguson in those in those scenarios, just because I know he's a, one. He's a much better defender than Hami. I mean, it's not really very close. Uh, and you know that he's not going to go wild on offense. That you know he's just going to shoot open threes. He's probably going to miss them, but he's he's going to shoot them. So, I mean, I I would. That's that's where I'm at with Hami. Even though he's played more, it feels like Billy's favoring him. But that's that's just where my trust level is with Hami in a playoff series. And he may he may come out and play and play really well. That's that's certainly possible. But uh, I just I've got to see it first. So if you're taking Bays, Dre, who would be your th- your final bench player? Oh, man, is it weird to say Mike Muscala? No, and I'm actually happy you said him because one of the, my takeaways from the game against Phoenix is I was just thinking like which deep bench guy do I actually trust the most like because they all have flaws they all have very obvious flaws but when I'm looking at like Burton Diallo Muscala 
and Nader, like which of those guys do I actually trust to do what they're good at in a playoff yeah. series? And I think it's Muscala. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think New Orleans will get those minutes, but I, the way that Muscala has played, it's he's been really impressive. I mean, I just don't think you can deny that. And he was a part of that of that team that beat Houston in Houston on MLK Day uh, when Nerlens and Steven Adams were both out and played really well. And so uh, I would I'd like to see him get a chance to be a part of the rotation. I I think that he uh, to me he's earned it and to just have another shooter because to me Bays and Robertson. I mean, Bayes is definitely not a non-shooter because he will shoot it and he can make it, but he's not somebody that you're going to guard. And Schroeder is somebody you definitely will guard. And I think you guard Mike Muscala. I think you guard him out on the perimeter. And so just to bring one more guy off the bench, I to me, that's that would be the guy. And I did not see <laughs> myself saying that, uh, especially in this type of a scenario. But they just need shooting. I mean, they just need it badly. And so to me, it's either him or Nader. Like, you just need to have somebody that, you know, that can come in and give good minutes. And so to me, it's, I, I'm like you. I, I strangely trust Mike Muscala to come in and, and give good minutes. So that's, so the rotation itself is interesting to me because knowing what Billy's history has been, I really think it's going to be a nine man rotation. And it, like, let's just say he went with what we decided, which would be Bayes, Dre, and Muscala as those extra three bench guys. Yeah. You know, that means like minimal minutes for guys like Terrence Ferguson, Diallo, Nerlens, Nader, Burton. Burton is not playing in the playoffs. Uh, no. Which, which is going to be kind of like whiplash for Thunder fans who have mostly watched those guys play in the bubble. Um, but it, it was just a reminder to me that like the rotation is going to change dramatically in the playoffs regardless yeah. of what he decides. I think that Nerlens is probably going to get one of those spots and maybe in the uh, bench lineups where uh, Harden isn't out there and it's the Westbrook-led lineups, maybe that could work um, just because the Westbrook-led lineups haven't been great over the totality of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, I do wonder if putting another center out there is really the best choice against this team. Okay, next question is about pace. So this was interesting to me. This was they talked about this on the Red ninety four podcast that Houston's pace actually slightly decreased after they made the Capella trade. So huh. when they went small, they actually got a little bit slower. Fast forward now to the bubble, they are the fastest team in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how they thought this was related to the fact that when they were in the middle of the regular season. This style of play over a long period of time becomes so exhausting that you eventually just slow down, whereas now they're all well-rested, and so they're getting to play super fast again. And so the question becomes, because we know that OKC is a slower-paced team. In fact, they were I think they're like bottom six in the bubble. What is the best way to attack Houston? Do you try to slow it down, or do you try to match their pace but and by doing so, potentially, you know, exhausting them more. I would argue that you'd probably want to slow it down because for a team that is based around the three-point shot, if you're giving them more opportunities, it's just more opportunities for them to hit a couple more threes, even though they don't shoot them amazingly. 
and then then you're dead. Um, but I don't know how successful they can be with that because Houston does tend to dominate pace. Yeah, I I I would not be excited if the Thunder fell into the the trap of trading threes with them or with trying to play as fast as they do because the Thunder they they're not a super fast team and they like to just get into their offense and get and try to get into their spots. Uh, sometimes it's through passing with Chris. It can be through a lot of dribbling. Same with Schroeder. To, to me, you just play your game and it would be, to me, if right off the bat, if the Thunder do indeed play the Rockets, if, if we saw the, the, them playing like the Rockets, I'd be worried, you know, that that would worry me. And so I, I think the Thunder need to try to dictate just their offensive style. And I think they will. Like I don't see them falling into that. I think that they're they can be slower and more patient and get to their spots. Uh just because that's kind of their mentality. Uh Schroeder can be a little bit different, but I think about Chris and SGA, that those are guys that are just gonna play their game. I don't I don't see them falling into that trap. And you know, I think it. I think another, and I, I don't know if this is one of your questions, but I just, I'm just very, very intrigued to see how Russell behaves. Oh, oh I'm saving that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I think, like we talked about earlier, one of the ways you would potentially attack this team is by having a bunch of small, quick, penetrating guards that are going to force Houston to exert a lot more uh, energy than they would otherwise. And we have the team to do that. I think um, I, d- I don't think you have to play super fast, and I'm hoping that they don't because I I, yeah. I agree with you that falling into Houston's trap and giving them you know f- five ten extra possessions a game to hit one of their lottery threes isn't a good idea. Yeah, I mean they're gonna. I mean Houston is like feels like they're almost barely a basketball team and they're just like this numbers machine <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and that they're just like we know that if we shoot this many threes that we will get to the number that we need to get to regardless of our efficiency and they're just that's what all they're trying to do you know that's that's what they're trying to get to and so to me in the thunder thank god the thunder are not like the bucks that are just going to let them shoot. The Thunder want to deny threes. They want to they want to guard on the perimeter, and so they and they have the personnel to do that. They've got quick, good defenders on the perimeter. I'm excited to see what Dort can do uh, against James Harden, and then it really then it comes down to like, can you bait Russ into taking his just crappy shots? I mean, can you do that and defend the rim well enough? That's why Stephen will be important. Is that you can't just completely just take away um, a center from the lineup because I do think you need to defend the rim because that's how there's another way they kind of bait you into it is oh you're gonna play small with us great now we're just gonna use this battering ram of Russell Westbrook to get to the rim right and so if you can stick with Steven that's and that's maybe why New Orleans can be important is that if you guard Russ with one of those guys and just say we're gonna defend the three point line really well. We're going to make sure P.J. Tucker's covered in the corner by, you know, Gallinari or by somebody that can just stand there with him because P.J. is not going to do a whole lot more than just shoot off, shoot from the corners. Then I think you you could give yourself a chance. You could give yourself a chance there. 
and deny the rim and defend the three point line. And then to, that to me is those are the two areas that you have to guard. And so those, I think those would be critical. Yeah, it was interesting watching that Phoenix game where I did not think Dort shined against Devin Booker. I actually thought right. Devin Booker did a really good job against him. And part of it was just he was super active. Like Devin Booker was just running around a lot. And he has a really good first step and could get around Dort. Yeah. Um, thankfully, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, for all of their amazing skills, like, I I don't I guess I do think of Westbrook in this way, but Harden I think of as more crafty, where he's not necessarily going to be blowing by Dort, and I think mm-hmm. that he so I think Dort will match up a little bit better against him, even though I think Harden is a superior player to Booker. Um, but yeah, that that is going to be interesting because it it looked like Booker was the player type that is not a great matchup for Dort. I mean, Booker's like there's just not a great matchup for him right now with the way that he's playing. Yeah, there's not. I'm sure there are guys who have played him really well, but he was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that shot that he hit almost at midcourt where he kind of looked around and saw that there wasn't anything there, and so he just shot it Yeah, <laughs> from from midcourt, and it just it, – the, the rim or the, the net didn't move at all. I mean, geez. I mean, he was just – he was out of this world. He's been He's been so good. So he he might win bubble MVP, Andrew. A lot of people are saying it. Who is your bubble MVP? I mean, it's probably him or Dame. I mean, yeah. whichever of those teams gets the eighth seed probably deserves it because both of them were in a hole going into this uh, coming, you know, against Memphis. I mean, Memphis had a nice lead coming into this. So for either of them to get their teams to the eighth seed is pretty impressive. And it's because of <laughs> those lead guards. Yeah, I mean, talk about Booker being insane. I mean, that game from Dame last night, it was one of the most fun basketball games I've watched in a long time. Uh, and ju- he was just outrageous. That one shot, <laughs> that, that bounced so high. The sky ball, yeah. just like, golly. It was so fun. I think that, that was just so much fun. And I think that game was important because it felt like a playoff game. Yeah. And the game was so good, especially towards the end, that you kind of forgot it was in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Because oh, just, I know. You're just watching yeah. it play to play. They're going back and forth, throwing haymakers. I mean, they were hitting like three after three, both teams. Um, and it, it, I just thought it was a really good sign for the playoffs that mm-hmm. you're still going to have the drama. You're still going to have all the same feelings. It won't feel like some G League playoffs or something. Yeah. And um, watch, watching it on TV and hearing the sound, like the fake sounds of the crowd, like actually helps because it just it takes your mind off of like any weirdness that might be going on. Right. Which yeah, is, I think, a surpri- it's kind of a surprise, like a psychological surprise of the bubble. They're, uh, whoever's doing the audio mixing is doing such a good job because I tried to watch an MLB yeah. game the other night and it was just constant screaming. Like the, the the fan mix was just ah, just nonstop. Like even my wife just walked by. I was like, "Why is it so loud? What is happening?" And it was just a guy like getting ready in the batter's box. Like nothing was going on. So I think the NBA has done a really good job because there is like a uh, there is a skill involved with incorporating that audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the guy with the MLB is just like. I would be pumped at this moment. And so I'm just going to just pump it. 
He's like, ne- they've like never watched baseball before. <laughs> well, he, that guy has got a bat. I mean, maybe they were looking at some of the soccer games, which like soccer fans do stay, tend to stay pretty loud throughout a game. Yeah, yeah that's and true. And maybe they just thought, oh, I guess that's just what it's like. Yeah, we'll just do that. I'd like to change the culture of baseball <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, and the other thing I would say about potentially, you know, if they're not going to have a super fast pace, how can you tire Houston out? Is with their yeah. passing. So there was a, I don't know if you watched it yet, but Basketball Breakdown did a YouTube video on Billy Donovan's coaching mm-hmm. and on the change in the offensive system from last year with Russ to this year with Chris Paul. And one of the big things he was pointing out again and again and again was how much more passing there is now. Um, they, they jumped from like the second worst team in the league in terms of passing per game or passes per game to a league average team. And that makes a huge difference. Just all that, that much more movement. Um, I will tell anyone who's a huge Russ fan, you're going to be offended because basketball breakdown has a history with Russ and it definitely comes through in this video. (laughs) He hates Russ so much. (laughs) He does. Like the first five minutes are just like, Oh, that is interesting. That's nice. And then it takes a turn. <laughs> He's like, let's see how Russ did it last year. Not as good, <laughs> huh? <laughs> um, okay, my fourth biggest question. How do the Thunder guard James Hart? Because there's been a lot of different approaches. I would say the two the two approaches that got the most press were one, the Utah Jazz. Remember that game when Ricky Rubio was just standing behind James Harden? Yeah. And then there was the game against the Bucks, where Eric Bledsoe basically stood on his hip. The point of both of those was to force James Harden to drive because right. they had really great rim protectors in Rudy Gobert and Brooke Lopez. The, you know, Steven Adams, for all of his amazing qualities, I don't really think of him as like a top rim protector. So I don't necessarily think that's going to be their strategy. So then the other major strategy that's been happening is teams double teaming Harden. So what do you think they're going to do? Do you think they'll probably, I mean, I think they'll probably start out just manning up with whoever it is, probably Dort. Um, But do you think they'll open up and do some double teaming with him? Yeah, I think that hard trap is, is a, is effective because you just need to get the ball out of his hands. Because he's not a guy that is going to be running off screens, off ball, trying to get it back. You know, he's going to step step back there and and hope that it can get back to him. But he's not a guy that's really he doesn't work super hard off the ball, right? So, I think that's an effective strategy. I think they're going to just try just straight up with Dort and see how it goes. And I'm sure that Andre will get a chance to guard him as well. And so I I think. And that's something the Thunder have done in the past is they've just they trust their elite defenders. And I think that they're gonna trust him. I, I even think that they're they may even go a little bit deeper into their bench and throw Terrence Ferguson out there onto him. Because Ferg has had some effective games guarding James Harden. And so to me, they've got several guys to throw at him. And so I, I would I don't think they'll get into anything too gimmicky to start with, but if he's just torching them, then I would expect a a hard trap and then the Thunder are going to have to pick their poison on who they want to shoot the three. You know, right. is it 
if Eric Gordon's out there, you probably just try to leave Eric Gordon to start with, you know, because he's he's a guy that has not shot the ball well from three this year. Um, and so that's what I mean. That's what teams have been doing. And Ben McLemore, which is this is just an absurd statement. Ben McLemore has made teams pay for that during this bubble. And can he continue to do that? I I don't know. But it's certainly it's going to. You, you're just picking your poison. Do you want James to be able to get in there and cook, or do you want to leave one of their guys wide open? Because the ball f- will find that guy quickly. Whoever you leave, the ball is going to find them quickly, and that's the. That's the beauty of for the Rockets of having this small ball is that everybody's going to be able to shoot it. And whenever they do inevitably double James Harden, the ball will find the open guy. And so I think to me, the series is that that will be the series. If these role players for the Rockets can hit their threes, I think that they will win no matter what first round series it is. If it's the Thunder, if it's Denver, whoever it is, I think that to me it's it's dependent on these role players for the Rockets making these shots as you try to force the ball out of Russ and Harden's hands. And so do you trust Ben McLemore? Do you trust Austin Rivers, Daniel House, Eric Gordon? I think that I mean and a lot of those guys you can say yes, Robert Covington. So it's it's all very dependent on that. Yeah, it's it's important to remember how little playoff experience so many of those role players have. Like even a veteran like Robert Covington has been in the playoffs exactly one time. Right. Like he played he was in the playoffs in 2017-18 with Philly, he shot 31% from 3. Yeah. Um Ben McLemore has not been in the playoffs before. Daniel House was in the playoffs last year and did not look good. Um so yeah, they're relying on a lot of guys similarly to, you know, what we talked about with OKC's bench. I mean, like do you trust Dort's shot in the playoffs? Do you trust Baisley's shot in the playoffs? Um but yeah, I, th- sure. I think that's going to be really interesting. Um which is why th- this series would just be so much fun. It's just like it would. everything is just so obvious. I mean, all these things I'm bringing up are something that anyone could th- think of. Like it doesn't take much thought to get there because what Houston's doing is so obvious um, and teams and, and it seems so simple. And yet obviously they've succeeded with it so far, especially in the bubble. Um, Alex, let's take a quick break before the most important question to hear from our sponsor Indochino. Okay. So my last major question, my last big question for a potential oh my. OKC rocket series is which Westbrook, do we get? <laughs> now, Westbrook just came back. Um, he played in his first game yesterday against the Spurs. And uh, Rockets fans have taken notice that uh, Russ has been slipping into some of his early season foibles. Yeah. Is that what foibles means? Uh, not necessarily <laughs> taking a ton of threes. He still hasn't taken a ton of threes, but just kind of sloppy play um he's had a lot more turnovers he's taking a lot more mid-range shots um and they're not going in so and this is something we as thunder fans are familiar with and the last couple years in the playoffs we have seen a version of westbrook that didn't always mirror the awesome version we saw in the regular season and part of that was just him trying to take over games and part of that was like the the mental component facing off against someone like damian lillard 
or Ricky Rubio or Patrick Beverly and kind of falling into this mind trap <laughs> with those point guards where he's only playing against them. And so I definitely think Chris Paul has the, um, what would you call it? Like <laughs> the, the like ability to play that game with Westbrook yeah, or the ability to trigger that type of play from Westbrook. Um, the question is like, will he do it? We haven't necessarily seen these guys match up a lot in this kind of setting. So I don't know which Westbrook do we get, Andrew? It's a, it's, it's also, I mean, I, I think it's the, the Rockets players hitting threes. And then it is like, do you get good Russ for at least four of these games? And <laughs> my guess is that you don't, you know, I just, I mean, he hasn't shown that in the last several years that he has the ability to control that. And, you know, he was good in the 2017 playoffs and largely because he was hitting threes, right? Like he was hitting threes at a good rate. And now that that skill set is essentially gone and the Rockets have done their best to try to kill that part of his game, like if he falls back into that, I don't think he's going to be good at it. And so... Even, I mean, if he falls back into that for two games, like you give your, you give the Thunder a chance to win the series, you know? And so, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it in the bubble that he's been willing to take these really bad mid-range shots toward the end of games. I think that um, some of the... I mean, it's always been the best and worst thing about Russ is that he has supreme confidence in himself as a player. And it was a great thing for the Thunder early on. And as he got older, it became a less great thing for the Thunder. And so is it still going to be an issue for Houston? And he, for a small part of the season, that somehow people have extrapolated throughout his whole season because his beginning part of his season was truly bad uh, until he corrected all these problems. And then he became a very good player again. Now, can they get him to stick with that? And my guess is no. <laughs> That would be my guess. But I again, I don't know. I think it it remains to be seen. But if I were to bet, I would bet that you can bait Russ into being a, a mid-range shooter again and, and taking, you know, at least two or three threes a game. And I think one of the the interesting things about this series that we haven't even talked about yet is obviously the Thunder, more than any other team, know Russell Westbrook. They spent over a decade with him. They know everything yep. about how he plays, what his quirks are, what things or what type of players rile him up or throw him off course during a game. And it'll be interesting to see if they can take anything valuable from that experience and apply it to a series against the Houston Rockets. And you can yeah. say the same thing for the Rockets going against Chris Paul. Um, but I think it's it's much more obvious with Westbrook just because of the long history. Yeah. It's for sure. I mean, it, it is, I mean, of all these things that we've talked about, to me, it's the most intriguing thing is, is what do you get from Russell? Because, I mean, Dame just absolutely dismantled him last year in the playoffs and baited him into this you versus me kind of contest. And, you know, I think Chris will be able to do that. I think Chris will try to do that. 
I think it's an obvious strategy. Ricky Rubio, poor guy, didn't even try to. <laughs> it just happened to him. <laughs> but, you know, I think Dame realized that it was a huge advantage for them to do that. And I just cannot imagine a world in which Chris Paul doesn't try to do that to Russell. I just can't. I just cannot imagine that he would not try to make it a you versus me type of deal. Whereas Chris really won't play that way. But I think that he can bait him into that with just his words. And God, I didn't think about this, but going back to that basketball breakdown video, I mean, think about it from Billy Donovan's perspective. Like, this is a guy who was on the hot seat for the last three years, basically, in large part due to Russell Westbrook because of the Mm -hmm. way Russ ran that offense. And now that Russ isn't there, all of a sudden Billy Donovan is co-coach of the year. And all of a sudden this offensive system that he ran back in Florida suddenly reappears. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's a really nice system. You wonder from his perspective if he is just salivating at the idea of getting to use what he learned as Westbrook's coach to use against him in a series. Hey, fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and it's time to get Manscaped. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. That includes an essential lawnmower 3.0, that's waterproof, cordless, body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. I own the lawnmower 3.0 and it is a great product. I think it has a light on it for accurate grooming. And it's just a just a really well-made product. It is great. And inside the perfect package, you'll find Manscaped's crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day long. So make sure you use that. And also make sure that you get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. They're good. I really, I've got some. Uh, and I wear them and they're wonderful. So make sure that you get some too and go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. If there's anybody that's going to know, it's going to be Billy. <laughs> right. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, I'm. it's it's almost like the, the Chris Paul and Woj thing on the, on the Woj pod where uh, SGA was talking about how Chris taught him how to like read a defense by thinking about your offense. You know, you can read Russell by thinking about how you used to have to coach Russell into what not to do (laughs) and like how to coax him into those things. Like, oh, now this, I mean, I'm sure that Billy, some of Billy's hair has sort of to turn back brown again. Just, just play, just be coaching this team as, as opposed to coaching Russ the past several years. But, 
um, man, it's it's going to be so fascinating. And we still we we talked about this at the top. We don't know that the Rockets are the opponent, but it is by far the best for storylines and things like that. And it does have this high ceiling, low floor that we we've, we've discussed for weeks now. That if you beat this Rockets team, I mean, boy, it would it would feel like we won the championship, right? Oh, I mean, so, yeah. So one of the other things, you know, uh, in our group text, Taylor, Taylor's stressing out as I was a week ago yeah. about this potential matchup because it feels like the downside is so large. Yes. But one thing I want to ask you, Andrew, is let's step back a second. Look, big picture. What actually are the stakes for this series for each of these teams? Because I would argue that there aren't actually very huge stakes for OKC. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be amazing to win. That would be great. But if we lose, what does that actually mean? No one expected them to be here. Very few people picked them to make the playoffs. They are now in a 4-5 matchup. They've had a great season already. We we are anticipating that they might even blow up this team afterwards regardless. So like, mm-hmm. what actually are the stakes? Would it would it be a big deal if they lost? And I would say no, it really wouldn't be a big deal. Like, is it really going to affect Chris Paul's legacy? I feel like, if anything, this season has improved Chris Paul's legacy, especially compared to where he was after last season. So that even if they lost this series, it's not going to be like everyone's going to be down on Chris Paul again. I mean, it's a great opportunity to get some experience for the young Thunder guys, for sure. But I don't actually think that there are stakes for OKC outside of just winning or losing a playoff series. Whereas for Houston, it's like every single aspect of their organization feels like it would be affected by a loss. Whether it's Daryl Morey's job or Mike D'Antoni's job or just the Rockets' future in general. They have $112 million committed to four players next year. That doesn't include an expiring P.J. Tucker, which, oh, by the way, if you want to keep playing this type of system – you're going to need a replacement for P.J. Tucker, and they're going to have to be very good. What about Harden's reputation? What about Westbrook's reputation? Like, all of these things are factoring into this first-round playoff series for Houston in a way that I don't think they are for the Thunder. And because of that, I no longer have any stress. I don't care. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like the Thunder have nothing to lose. Who cares if they lose? I don't care. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal. All the pressure is on the Houston Rockets. Yeah, this is why it's advantage thunder. Yes, because because there is that pressure, and there was that pressure against Utah, and they crumbled. There was the pressure against the Blazers. Partly they crumbled due to it us. even worse, huh? Partly because of us, because of the dream scenario. <laughs> Partly because I created this dream scenario in my head that I released into the wild, and it was just a bad idea. It was just one of the worst ideas I've ever had. But now, I mean, we're living the dream scenario, right? We're just living it. It's just, it doesn't matter because the Thunder's future is ahead of them. It's not this team. It's not a Danilo Gallinari, Chris Paul-led team. That's the future of the Thunder. It's likely at the hands of a high school junior or senior right now, you know, that we're, that will be the future of the Thunder along with SGA. But so, if you want to spin it positive for this year's team, I think they are the perfect combination of, on the one hand, nothing to lose, but on the other hand, super competitive. 
very competitive. Like, I mean, these guys, these like, guys aren't going to lay down. Right, exactly. Like, yes, they have nothing to lose, but they want to win, and Chris Paul wants to do everything to beat Houston. But yeah. big picture, they really don't have that much to lose. Yeah. I mean, yeah, big picture, yes. But then, but they can, that's how they can play free. That's how they've been, to me, that's a part of why they've been good this year. Is that, and there's no pressure that they can have guys only take 12 shots a game because nobody cares. Nobody cares about those things. They can push all those other things aside and just say, let's just go win. Let's just go win. And they know that that they're, the pressure isn't on them. There's not. There's probably not a lot of outside pressure. There's probably not a lot of pressure internally within the Thunder organization itself. Because this year was just like, okay, this year was just kind of about the 15 draft picks that we got. <laughs> like we got, we did all the work. And now we didn't know that the scene would be this good. We didn't know this team could come together. We didn't know that Chris Paul could come in and lead this team to do what they're doing. But is it great that they are? Absolutely. And just imagine the difference in pressure between a closeout game for the Thunder, like let's, or or, or a game where, that the Thunder have to win. Let's say they're down like three two. They're going into Game Six, versus the Rockets. Like we saw this last year in that game at home against the Warriors, where the Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant. Everyone was expecting like, oh, this is the Rockets' chance, and they absolutely blew it. And they've done that again and again when they have this chance to finally break through. And it's just a first-round series this time, but just imagine the pressure and the media scrutiny if somehow it gets to OKC's up 3-2 going into a game six. (laughs) Like, the weight of that for Houston is so much bigger than than it would be for OKC in the same scenario. Oh, yeah. I would probably just change the intro to the podcast to like whatever Skip Bayless says. <laughs> is he is he a big anti Houston guy? I mean, I can definitely see. I don't honestly. I haven't listened to Skip Bayless in since I had cable TV, which was. I mean, I don't obviously, know, like six he, uh, years ago. <laughs> he's known as the LeBron hater. He is a LeBron hater, um, or or Stephen A. If Stephen A's got some hot takes. Probably. I'd actually prefer Stephen A. Stephen A has actually grown on me through the years. I actually enjoy Stephen A quite a bit now. Um, But man, it is this. You're right. The scrutiny is going to be loud. And for any of these NBA players to say, I don't listen to that. It's just a bunch of crap. Like they listen. Everybody listens to everything, (laughs) you know? Right. It's just it is a part of it. It is a part of all of this and we haven't seen russ or harden step up in these big moments and you know win you know important series we just haven't really seen that and so they've got a lot to prove they have a ton of pressure and the thunder right now their only thing that they feel pressured to do is to get healthy and so it's i think this podcast definitely speaks to the fact that like these next two games of the thunder just aren't super meaningful for them and so like win or lose in these next two games i think still the most important thing is can they get to the playoffs healthy because i think that they've shown that they have the chemistry stuff still within this team and i'm not i'm not very worried about about them as far as chemistry goes i'm the thing i'm most concerned about steven adams leg and i mean to me that's really it and everybody else staying healthy 
I don't I don't think there's any other huge concerns or, or thoughts about them playing the Heat and the Clippers. Um, so we may have just done like a jinx to where now the Thunder just have a zero percent oh, chance of playing the Rockets. I right? know We're, it's going to be the Nuggets, and I'll have <laughs> like two minutes to say about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I could come up with like an hour of Rockets content so easily. <laughs> Nuggets on the field, like, well, you know, Jokic is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. breakout, breakout time. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's I don't, just a less interesting series. I mean, it's it would. They're just a less interesting team overall. Yeah, it's still the playoffs, so you're still going to be super excited. But this game, this potential matchup with Houston, feels like a Western Conference final series just in terms of like the excitement I would have. Oh yeah. Even though it's well, just and, the first and, round. And Thunder fans agree. I did a, a poll on Twitter yesterday thinking that people would prefer the Nuggets. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Is this even worth doing? But I just wanted to see. And overwhelmingly, people chose the Rockets. 62% of people that voted, almost 2,000 voters voted for the Rockets. Okay, people here we want go. It. We want the chaos. Give me the chaos. Whew. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, the Thunder do play tonight at, I think, it's like a later game. It's like a normal time game tonight. Yeah, uh, it's 5 p.m. my time, 7 p.m. Yeah, time. Yeah, 7 p.m. So just normal, normal Thunder time tonight. Uh, I'll be interested to see who plays how they play, if they're going to compete tonight, uh, would be very interesting. The Thunder have also always said things like, we want to be playing our best basketball heading into the playoffs and things like that. And so you wonder if they're going to try to put it together in these next two games and, and put you know as much of their team out there that they can and, and try to actually play and get some of that chemistry going. So, Well, how uh, crazy be- was it that, uh, just for the real quick with the Phoenix yeah. game, the fact that Chris Paul played – Going back to the beginning of the season when like one of our goals was, oh man, if Chris Paul can just stay healthy to the trade deadline. <laughs> I know. And now he's playing in meaningless games in August. And he has now played more games, even with this shortened season, than he did either of the last two years. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is wild. I honestly do think some of it is the plant-based diet thing. I really do think that that's... And you probably know better than I do that that is something that's meaningful to staying healthy. But uh, that's very interesting. It is it is a it is very very interesting, and it's a good sign for the Thunder that he said he just wants to hoop because that's when the Thunder just went off. Yeah, it was after after he said that. So to me, that's that's a sign of good things to come. Uh, okay, anything else, Alex? Before we go. Uh, no, everyone out there, uh, please try my uh, Mega Stuff Oreos roasted recipe. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it's very important to not put it directly over the campfire flame. You want to be setting it in the embers wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> going to want to put it there about uh, three minutes. Uh, you'll know it's done when the uh, center cream is a little translucent. And it is the best thing I have ever created. <laughs> sounds so good. Uh, we are three apple podcast reviews away from 1100 and because we are in oklahoma city we prefer round numbers so if you could if you haven't left us a five-star review there's been a lot of people that have not done that yet please go do that if you have an apple phone it is very easy very easy apple phone do you 
iPhone. Why did I call it an Apple phone? Uh, if you have an iPhone, go to the Purple Podcast app and search down to dunk. Hit five stars. It's very, very simple. Does not take much of your time. And uh, we would appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the games. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday.